Hey, this is Andy from Oklahoma. And Jesse wanted me to say that I never listened to I Dattle with Dolomore, but I do. I listen to I Dattle The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, everybody. Welcome to this third episode of the week. Episode 354 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting directly across from me, that lady everybody has grown to know and love. The scholarly, the talented, the beautiful, the checking us in early for flights 24 hours before our flight, my co-host, Brittany Page. Well, a little bit late, like 23 hours. What? Really? Yeah. That did it fuck us? No. Because that's normally a death sentence. Yeah. Well, maybe everyone else is being a lazy turd. Because it didn't screw us over. It did not. Because we're flying southwest. We're flying to Boise tomorrow evening back home. We'll get into that in a minute. But when you check in early, the 24 hours, because Southwest is like a cattle call. You, The earlier you check in, the better boarding position you have. And then you get on the plane. I think everybody probably knows what I'm talking about here. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. Me- How not- do you board a plane? <laughs> so, how, so, does, how does the getting on the plane Well, no, listen. Here's the deal. When you're, when you're six foot three... And you need leg room. When you're five foot ten, like you, you need leg room. Yeah. So we can't check in in the sea boarding group where they just strap you to the wing of the goddamn plane. I need to be in a good seat. Well, I can sit wherever and be fine because I'm used to suffering. And wow. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm flying. I get to fly on a plane. Get so. to fly on a plane. Yeah. So, here's the deal. Uh, The the first episode of next week will be delayed a day. Like, we'll record it on Tuesday morning or maybe Tuesday evening. We're not sure of the schedule yet. Because Brittany and I are flying back to Boise, like I said, tomorrow night for a memorial, a celebration of one of my best friend's lives who died in the fires in Santa Rosa, California, Northern California. I haven't talked it up I haven't talked about it up to this point because it's uh as you can imagine super emotional and I just wasn't ready to talk about it and I'm not really ready to talk about it now we'll, we'll maybe we'll get into it after the memorial after there's been some time to to decompress anyway uh, we love you Mike Graybo and uh, we are gonna see some good friends and have one last hurrah for him in Boise on Monday. Anyway, that let's we're not going to get crazy, got to get emotional on the show, but um let's just move on. So, we're going to forego an intro segment and get right into some voicemails. It it is I'm wondering when we're going to turn the corner, Brittany Page. When it isn't going to be the sexual assault hour on this show every fucking, every other episode for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, we've got 
Louis C.K. now. We've got Kevin Spacey we're going to talk about more of. Uh, Roy Moore we're going to talk about later on in the show. It is Emma from Minnesota called and challenged me, or she, she emailed in and challenged me on the rape culture thing. And come on, fellas, you're making it very, very difficult for me not to just completely succumb to to believing that rape culture, as it is explained, is a thing. Let's get to some voicemails, and we will continue the talk. These two voicemails I'm going to play, that we're going to play today, are about, specifically, the, the Kevin Spacey coming out. We 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 mentioned it last time on the show about Kevin Spacey coming out and using his coming out as cover for having an allegation of um, sexual misconduct with a minor, a.k.a. attempted pedophilia. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, it's Meg from Arkansas. I had a comment on the whole Kevin Spacey thing. I'm going to keep it brief because I know last episode went so over. Um, but for those of us, like Jesse said, um, that have come out of the closet and those of us who haven't had nearly as much time as Kevin Spacey have had to come out of the closet, you do not get to control the narrative of your accusations of sexual assault or abuse into being, oh, I'm a gay man. No. No, because what you're actually doing is fueling the trolls who say that gay people are pedophiles. What are you doing? Clearly, you haven't been living as a gay man. Clearly, you haven't been a part of the, quote, community. Because you wouldn't know, or you would have known, that that is the narrative that is used by trolls. So, no. I don't accept it. Congratulations. I'm glad you're out of the closet. But you don't get to just use this as your coming out story. That's not, that's not cool. You don't get to do that. And especially if there's children involved. Now they're adults, but they were children. And that's not okay. So anyway, love the show. Brittany's the best part. God damn, I can't live without Jesse. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Only one minor correction, and it's nitpicking if it's anything at all. And that's, I wouldn't call everybody who uses that that uh, argument about gays being pedophiles, that, that fear-mongering, I wouldn't call them all trolls. Because I believe there are people out there who really believe it and are trying to further that narrative. Maybe we have a different understanding of what a troll is. I think a troll is just someone who's trying to get a rise, like a Milo Yiannopoulos. But there are many people out there who drive that narrative. People like Kevin Swanson, people like Ted Cruz, who who want to conflate pedophilia with homosexuality. Mm-hmm. People who want to conflate bestiality even with same-sex relationships. Mm-hmm. And I believe they're genuine and earnest in their in their in that narrative. So, but I agree 100% with everything Meg said. It's I mean, I, I don't have the understanding of it because I'm not a member of the gay community, but I could certainly take a stab at empathy and try to, to wrap my arms around it. Right. Next up, Amanda. Hi, Brittany. Hi, Jesse. My name is Amanda, and I'm from Indianapolis. 
I am actually a fairly recent listener. I only started listening in the last couple of months. So this is a very new experience for me. What made me have to call in and say something was when Kevin Spacey was brought up as someone who is active in the LGBT community and part of the community. It is very frustrating and disgusting to see someone use the process of coming out or the announcement as a shield to hide behind predatory and violent behavior. That's bullshit. Someone needs to throw the shenanigans flag and call him on it. There are multiple articles on the internet defending him. I one that comes to mind is an article from Slate that says we shouldn't be attacking him while he's coming out and being open and honest and having this discussion. And to that, I'm like, mm, no, oh, nay, nay, fuck him. No, he does not get to do that. He does not get to take coming out and being open and honest and use it as a cover for lies and manipulation. That is not happening. It should not be allowed. It doesn't matter it, what his sexual orientation is when these allegations are coming to light. And it really frustrates me, as I've said, that he's taking something that many people in the LGBTQ plus community go through um, that has such negative repercussions in their lives. For many of them, if you just look at suicide rates and homelessness and ostracization that happens to them because they come out and he's taking that and he's like, but Hey guys, look, don't attack me. Even though I am a child molester, those things are mutually exclusive. It has zero things to do with him being gay. He is a violent rapist and predator and that's what he should be called the gay man does not need to go in front of that because the gay man part of it has zero things to do with it no one no one when they're talking about donald trump is like straight man donald trump grabs women by the pussy that is not that no it's not an important part of the conversation it's just not and it doesn't matter if it's gay man Kevin Spacey or straight man Kevin Spacey. He's still a rapist and a child molester and a predator. And he needs to be called for what it's called. And Slate needs to sit the fuck down. That is just my humble opinion in it. Thank you guys for what you do and moving the conversation forward and giving everyone a place to speak. It is very much appreciated. And I love both of you very much. But I have to say that, that from my experience... Drew's been the best part. <laughs> Bye. How fucking dare you, Amanda? It's unbelievable. Banned from the show. You know what? Let's just cut that call out <laughs> in post. <laughs> edit that right out. Oh, uh, or maybe we'll just edit the Drew part out. Nah, fuck it. The whole thing. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. I, listen, other than the fact that you're a little on the, well, you don't have to cover yourself legally, but allegedly. Mm-hmm. Child molester, allegedly rapist, a- allegedly sexual assaulter. Alleged, you know, it's alleged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and speaking of alleged, there are new accusations against Kevin Spacey. 
We begin with that Boston mother coming before the cameras today, a former TV anchor with a new claim of sexual assault by actor Kevin Spacey, fighting back tears, talking about what he allegedly did to her 18-year-old son. Heather Unruh detailing what her son says happened and the alleged witness who told her son to run. ABC's Lindsay Davis leading us off. Tearful moments today as a former Boston News anchor came before the cameras to talk about what her son says Kevin Spacey did to him. First, I just want to let you know that I'm here not as a journalist today, but as a mom. In July 2016, actor Kevin Spacey sexually assaulted my son. The victim, my son, was a starstruck, straight, 18-year-old young man. Heather Unruh says her son told Spacey he was of legal drinking age, even though he was just 18. But whether he was over 21 or not, Kevin Spacey had no right to sexually assault him. There was no consent. Kevin Spacey bought him drink after drink after drink. And when my son was drunk, Spacey made his move and sexually assaulted him. And I want to make it clear, this was a criminal act. Unruh on what her son told her. Spacey stuck his hand inside my son's pants and grabbed his genitals. This was completely unexpected and my son's efforts to shift his body to remove Spacey's hand were only momentarily successful. The violation continued. My son panicked, he froze. She says Spacey insisted that her son go with him to a party. Then the actor left to use the bathroom. A concerned woman quickly came to my very shaken son's side and asked if he was okay. She told him to run and he did. He ran as fast as he could, all the way to his grandmother's house. She says he woke up his sister, and together they called their mom. Nothing could have prepared my son for how that sexual assault would make him feel as a man. It harmed him, and it cannot be undone. She says her son filed a police report last week and handed over evidence. Netflix had already severed ties with the House of Cards actor after mounting harassment allegations. Unruh praised actor Anthony Rapp, who said Spacey made a sexual advance toward him when he was just 14 years old. To Kevin Spacey, I want to say this. Shame on you for what you did to my son. And shame on you for using your apology to Anthony Rapp to come out as a gay man. That was an appalling attempt to deflect attention away from what you really are, a sexual predator. Your actions are criminal. And Lindsay Davis with us now. We heard Heather Unruh describe there a woman she says helped her son telling him to run. That's the account offered by her son, and they'd like to try to find that woman tonight? Yes, she says that her family is eternally grateful to this woman, that she says when she saw something that she thought was very wrong, she acted, and they would like to thank her in person, and this lady will also likely be a witness as well. Also want to add uh, that we did reach out to Kevin Spacey for comment with regard to these latest allegations, and we did not hear back, David. All right, Lindsay Davis with us again tonight. Lindsay, thank you.
seems like they're going from, oh, that didn't happen, to ah, we're just not going to answer anymore because it's not going to be believable. Well, he he had, he went to go get help, quote unquote. Yeah. So isn't that somewhat an admission of guilt that he's going to get help for his problem that he's having, his oh, quote unquote di- problem that he's having? Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's... But I mean, on an individual accusation level. Right. They're just, they've just stopped responding. It used to be, no, that didn't happen. Same with Harvey Weinstein. Well, I think it gets to be so many that right. at a certain point, there's too many. And as far as the the, the pedophile aspect of this with, with, with um, Kevin Spacey, it's kind of turning the corner now that he's, if all this is true, and we don't really have any reason to believe it's not, there's so many accusations um it it seems like we're turning the corner here to he's just an indiscriminate sex predator Mm -hmm. he doesn't have a proclivity for young boys it's just anything with a pulse that he can get his hands on yeah seemingly which kind of leads us to uh an email that we got from someone who claims to have listened for years uh, apparently they they hate listen to the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, before I read this, I'm not going to read all of it because that would take me probably 10 minutes. So, by the way, if you're typing, let's just say you're sending an email to the show <laughs> and it ends up being very long, like it turns into a blog post, just go ahead and record a voice memo and send it in because uh, it's much easier on me. <laughs> Unless you just really love my voice that much and... I don't know if that's the case. Yeah. All right. This is from Jay. I suppose I could start off by saying how much I love the show to soften the blow, but I won't patronize you all in such a way. I do enjoy the show, but that's neither here nor there. This email isn't about the ways in which I agree with you. No, this email is about something that I fundamentally disagree with both of you about. Now, I've listened to your show for years. I'm not one to listen to shows that just echo my point of view. I purpose seek out shows with differing points of views in order to be more well-rounded and to learn. So just to be clear, I'm not going to stop listening to your show just because I don't agree with everything you say. I'm able to listen to opposing views without throwing a tantrum and deleting a podcast completely. Now on to the meat of the email. The reason I'm writing today is because I've heard you both say several times that when it comes to rape allegations, that the public should just believe the women and their allegations. (laughs) I find this to be an odd stance to take. I find that fucking odd stance to take too, Jay. It's illogical and seems sexist to me. Hmm. I'm a skeptic by nature. Being a skeptic means that I determine truth by the evidence, not by who's making the claim, and certainly not based on gender. It would appear that both of you are not skeptical in the same way. Mm. Now, I'm a black man in America. Offensive to you or not, I do not expect you to know about the thousands upon thousands of my ancestors who were hung and or burned alive with their genitalia cut off and stuffed in their mouths because of false rape allegations. I do not expect you to know about the people who look similar to you who had picnics while this torture and hanging was happening, waiting to take photos of all of the bodies, all because of false allegations of rape. I do not expect you to know about Emmett Till or about Tulsa, Oklahoma, Black Wall Street, and how hundreds were murdered and an entire thriving city was burned to the ground over false rape allegations. 
I could go on and on. And he does. But I'm going to stop there because like I said, there's several more paragraphs and I would be reading for a while. But I read to that point because that gives the gist of of his point and of his background and where he's coming from. Yeah. So now that we have said that, Jay, this is interesting to me. And this sometimes happens where I've received emails from people. And I think sometimes people hear what they want to hear or hear something different than what is actually being said. And if this is not the case, please send me a screenshot of an episode uh, with a timestamp of where I have said this because I am legitimately concerned and do not want people to think that that's what I have said. And it's also confusing because in my personal life, I've actually had the opposite problem come from my friends when these these things appear. What I mean by that is that I have had my friends criticize me in certain instances when I say, okay, someone has come forward to accuse. That's one allegation. Maybe we should wait and, and see if more evidence comes out. Yeah. And this actually happened with Kevin Spacey, where I had friends who were up in arms and very upset. And I said, you know, I think it's very likely that that more will come out. I believe that. And I think it's very likely that Kevin Spacey is a sexual predator. This was when there was just one allegation. Right. And I said, but but the thing is, I'm not ready to start tearing him down until there's more here. And until there's like, I don't know, stories that are matching up and there were con- contemporaneous reports and, yeah, yeah. you know, all of these things that you see in the Louis C.K. case. That's another case of this exact same thing happening or reserving judgment in the Harvey Weinstein case. So, no, I don't think that just because someone makes an allegation, they should automatically be believed no matter what. We've talked about this before. People do lie. People make false allegations. For sure. It is so unfortunate, but it happens. And we do have a system in this country where you are presumed innocent until proven guilty. That is a fact. So I I don't know where Jay is coming from in terms of what he has heard the several times well, that we being, have advocated. Being someone who someone who wants evidence so 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 much. I would assume, or it would be nice if this person who leans on evidence so much, this skeptical Jay, would have provided proof, evidence of his claim that we do this so often, that we are so ready to believe every victim and to pronounce a guilty verdict upon anybody who has an accusation against them. But he didn't do that. Well, listen, this happened with Bill Cosby, too. I mean, it happens with with all of these public figures where, you know, it is possible that when someone says this person is making this accusation because they just want to get money from me. Okay, if like one pops up and that seems plausible, sure. But then when you have over 50 women coming forward and, you know, they have texts or they have messages and they have these things they told people right after it happened. They have sworn deposition from Bill Cosby saying, yeah, I gave her quaaludes. 
I thought she'd be easier. Yeah, that I thought too. That would be loose, a looser deal for me to be able to fuck her that if too. I gave her drugs. That too. That makes it easier um, when you have that. Although some people still deny it. Um, but but you see this a lot. And even with, with Louis C.K. And let's talk about this because... Well, can I... Yeah. Before we get to Louis C.K., let me say something. Specifically about the the the, the terrible inarguable history of African-Americans in this country of torture and rape and beatings and murder and injustice on a systemically terrible level, an unavoidable level if you're a black man in this, in this country for hundreds of years. If you have listened to this show for even five fucking minutes, you should know that I have as good of an understanding of that as I can. I am empathetic and sympathetic to that plight. I do my best in that arena. But you're conflating two separate things, Jay. Harvey Weinstein isn't some black man who was abused by the system. Kevin Spacey isn't Emmett Tell. These are men of power. Bill Cosby is a man of power who abused his power to rape and abuse women. And it's not one person coming out and telling their story. It is countless women over 50 with Bill Cosby, almost 35 or more maybe now with Weinstein. Who knows, five to 10 with Kevin Spacey. And we all have common goddamn sense. We can hear the different accusations and use our modern brains to suss out the details and make a determination as adults as thinking individuals, whether we think it is real or not. And I don't think you're being fair or charitable relative to our past statements or attitudes on this subject. And I think that's fine. Uh, for whatever reason, Jay is hearing something. And, and like I said, if I've said it, please point it out because I would yeah. like, I would like to correct the record and hopefully I'm doing that now. There's, but there's I, hundreds of hours of audio evidence that they could pull from and give us timestamps. But even trust me, even, even saying what I'm saying now <laughs> is controversial. So <laughs> there's going to be people that are unhappy with what I'm saying here, but, right. but I, I gen, I genuinely try to be reasonable, even though Jay doesn't believe that that is the case. And I will say uh, that Louis C.K. is a great example of this, where I think we have a listener, Kelly, I think is her name, and she's a comedian, I think. I think so, too. And years ago, she wrote in about Louis C.K., and um, I don't know if we read it on the show. I, I don't know if she sent it in to be on the show, but she said something about the rumors surrounding Louis C.K. And so I've known about them for a while. But I love Louis C.K. And he is my favorite comedian. And I think <laughs> uh, that he's just so wise and, you know, 
uh, special in the way that he says things. And so I was reluctant to accept this as more than just like one story that was being told. Right. Of something that who knows what happened and whatever. Until today. Until today. And then I read the entire New York Times article. And it's it's, uh, tough to say that it's unbelievable. In fact, if you're saying it's unbelievable, you're being disingenuous. And this is coming from someone who did not want to believe that this was the case. I am so disappointed. But there were people who, after he jerked off in front of them, they told their friends the next day. That's called contemporaneous accounts. So these people are able to say, oh, yeah, they told me about that years ago. The day after it happened, I knew about this. And then you have him approaching someone on the set of some show and getting super close to her face and saying, hey, can you come into my office with me and uh, watch me jerk off? She's like, whoa, no, you're married and you have like a child. Uh, I'm not I'm not doing that. And she told people on set and it got back to Courtney Cox and David Arquette, who were producers. Mm -hmm. And they have verified that, yes, I remember this happening. We wanted her to feel safe. She agreed to continue with production. So it, it all continued. And then you have the messages that he has sent women saying, I owe you an apology. Uh, Not being specific about what it was, but, you know, in writing, apologizing to women. Again, we can use our our upper level brains to put two and two together and make a determination based on the evidence that we have and the voluminous accounts that that really happened. So, Jay, this would be an instance of me being skeptical, quote unquote. Until I could no longer be skeptical in the face of the evidence that I'm being provided. Yeah. And, you know, it sucks when this happens, especially with someone that you admire or respect. But ultimately, you have to understand that this happens with people that you like and respect. And they're actors and comedians. And their job is to play a role and to trick you into believing that they are something different than what they are. Yeah. So I hope that I've covered all of the bases with Jay. Yeah. And well, <laughs> let me say this. Look, I understand the sensitivity for, for someone of color in this country, given the, the, the past horrors that have been fucking hoisted upon your, your people, your ancestors. I get that. But I think there's also a responsibility to victims of sexual violence that when it makes sense to finally pull the trigger, so to speak, on it and, and, and flip the script that you finally do believe them, that you do that. And you don't let the history of oppression get in the way of passing judgment on people of power. Again, these aren't nameless individuals in the annals of time. These are people who are multimillionaires and billionaires who have power over other people. I I guess that's it. Yeah, I I would say that that's a good point as well. I mean, Harvey Weinstein, his life 
isn't ruined. I mean, in some ways it is, but ultimately it's not as though he's going to be homeless or starving yeah. or not able to pay his bills. All of these people, Louis, he he's he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. Even though HBO is pulling all of his content. No, no, no. Hopefully he never works again. No, that's what I mean. He's he's yeah. he's not going to be fine in terms of still having a career. No, that's probably done. Also, listen. But and he's going to have money is what I'm saying. You also know I love Louis C.K. We've, we've played clips of Louis C.K. countless times on this show to, to describe different thoughts that we've had. That was a funny bit that kind of explains the way I'm thinking right now. We've, we've played those on the show many times. But there's an arrogance with Louis C.K. Knowing his past and then doing this movie that's like loosely based on Woody Allen, the child molesting daughter marrying Woody Allen, allegedly. And he puts out a movie when all this is going on and that in his past, he puts it out. All of it's still happening. He still is going forward with the premiere. There's an arrogance there. there there's a tiptoeing right up against the line kind of an attitude. It was a weird thing about the New York Times article too where a character in the movie it's it's like Daddy I Love You or something I think yeah. is the title and a character in the movie apparently masturbates all the time hmm. or, or makes masturbating motions or something about masturbating a lot and he was asked a question about it in an interview a couple months ago Um. I'm totally screwing this up because I don't remember all of the article, but ultimately he said, oh, I had never made the connection between that character and like the accusations. Right. Uh, it's interesting that you, you drew that conclusion. And that struck me as odd because obviously he's aware of it. Yeah. He had to have been getting scared with all of this Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey. I mean, he had to have, right? So, I don't know. I think along with, with great power comes arrogance sometimes. And he was blinded by his arrogance. Yeah, and I want to say, ultimately, I know I praised him a lot. <laughs> but I have accepted uh, what is likely the reality here. Which is that he is a predator. And that he uh, shouldn't be in a position of power anymore. Yeah, absolutely. All right, thank you for the emails. Thank you for the voicemails. We appreciate it very much, you guys. If you, too, would like to sound off and communicate with the show, 657-464-7609. Of course, there's always a voice memo that you can send from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Wayne. Wayne. Jonathan. Jonathan. Sean. Sean. And Dennis Duffy the Beeper King. Den Dennis Duffy the Beeper. That, that sounds like it might have been formally known as... Astronaut Mike Dexter. Sounds like it. <laughs> These people have all updated. 
Oh, they've upped their pledges. They have upped their pledges. Modified yes. their pledges. Thank you guys very much. And then we have two new Patreon supporters. Two new. Jamie. Jamie. And Casey. Casey. Jamie and Casey. Awesome. Yes. It's like, so, a, like, the, like a duo, Jamie and Casey. Yeah, so this is the part of the show where I hassle you about sending in your Thanksgiving voice memos. So yes. here's a couple of questions that we've been getting. How long should they be? Around two minutes, yeah. under two minutes. Something like that is yeah. good. Um, should you call in to the voicemail line? I would recommend no. If you can, please record a voice memo. However, if you have no other option and you need to call the voice memo line. Call on in. Yeah, then call yeah. 657-464-7609. Wow. That's, that's less than three minutes. That might be the first time you've ever said the phone number. It's not the first time I've ever said the phone number. And um, <laughs> we do prefer the voice memo to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Please submit something for Thanksgiving. If you get value out of that episode, if you appreciate that episode, other people will appreciate your contribution as well. We yeah. like to hear from many different people, have many different voices represented, have all these different experiences that that you've had throughout the year that have caused you to reflect, whatever it might be. We want to hear from you. So also, please send one in. It's anonymous. You don't have to say your name and on any of that shit. Yeah. I I don't include the names. It's just what I'm think, thankful for this year and then tell your tale. That's it. Yeah. Awesome. Simple. So do it. And also, <laughs> holiday shopping's coming up. Don't forget to use that Amazon link, dollamore.com slash Amazon. And I think that's it. At Dollamore, at Brittany E. Page. That too. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, the cavalcade of sexual impropriety continues with former Alabama Supreme Court Chief Justice Roy Moore, the current U.S. Senate candidate for the state of Alabama, who just beat Luther Strange in primary. He is Steve Bannon's man. He is also now facing allegations of sexual misconduct with women. I'm sorry, scratch that. With girls as young as 14 years old. First, Alabama's Roy Moore, now the Republican candidate for Senate. The Washington Post first reporting he's accused of sexually assaulting a 14-year-old girl years ago. Fellow Republicans, including the Senate Majority Leader tonight, saying if these claims are true, he should step aside and end his campaign. Tonight, Judge Moore responding at ABC's Lindsey Davis, leading us off. Explosive new claims tonight that Republican Alabama Senate candidate Roy Moore preyed on teen girls more than 30 years ago. I believe in the Second Amendment. Moore, who famously flashed his gun at a rally, is a hardline conservative Christian. Homosexual conduct should be should be illegal. According to a report in the Washington Post today, four women say they had romantic encounters with or propositions from Moore when he was in his mid-30s and they were teenagers 
including one who was just 14 years old in 1979. Lee Korfman, now 53, tells the Post she met Moore when he offered to watch her during her mother's child custody hearing. At the time, Moore was an assistant district attorney. She says he took her to his house on two other occasions, and on the second visit, he took off her shirt and pants and removed his clothes. He touched her over her bra and underpants, she says, and guided her hand to touch him over his underwear. She says she remembers thinking, I wanted it over with, I wanted out. She says she asked Moore to take her home, and he did. Korfman's mother confirmed her daughter's account, which she says she learned about in the mid-90s, to ABC News. Moore calls the allegations by the Post completely false and a desperate political attack, with his campaign adding, it is no surprise that the Democratic Party and the country's most liberal newspaper would come up with a fabrication of this kind. Moore was nicknamed the Ten Commandments judge after refusing to remove a Ten Commandments monument from his courthouse. Crime, corruption, immorality, abortion, sodomy, sexual perversion sweep our land. Tonight, outrage from fellow Republicans. If there is any shred of truth to these stories, you ought to step aside. Senator John McCain is calling for him to immediately step aside and allow the people of Alabama to elect a candidate they can be proud of. And Lindsey Davis joins us now. And as you heard, there was a strong response from Republicans tonight, but Moore is determined to stay in the race. This election just over a month away. The question, will his name still be on the ballot? And yes, it would. Even if he decides not to run at this point, his name would remain on the ballot because ballots are already in the process of being printed. Absentee ballots have already been mailed out. So a new GOP candidate, if there were to be one, would have to be a write-in, David. All right. So he, he's also calling the allegations fake news. I don't know if yeah. she said that. No, I don't think they read that part of his statement, but yeah. he did say this is fake news. Yes. <laughs> Come on. God damn. So this woman, the at the time 14 year old now woman, says that she's voted Republican the past several elections, including voted for Donald Trump for president. Right. right. So that doesn't really make sense in terms of the whole, oh, it's a political attack argument. Uh, not only that, that Washington Post story similar to the Louis C.K. New York Times story, is pretty rock solid. Sourced by over 30 people, this Roy Moore story. Yeah, I mean, they checked to make sure the mom was really at the courthouse that year. Right, that she really had that going on. And she did. She was attending a divorce proceeding. And, um, I mean, they just, they connected everything and built this story. And... For him to come out and just oh it's fake news yeah it doesn't it doesn't seem like fake news maybe you should say a little bit more well listen if you if you're someone who earnestly believes in our free press and that they do have look they make mistakes because it's run by fucking humans but if you believe in the system that they have set up of checks and balances and double sourcing and making sure every angle is covered before they go to press if you really believe in their system, then why would you not believe this? With dozens and dozens of corroborating witnesses and accounts. Yeah, and some of those uh, witnesses were girls who knew the girls at the time. Who said they were dating an older man. Yes. Yeah. And so so their friends remember that happening. And the the 14-year-old at the time, she didn't tell her mom until 10 years later. Yeah. So um, she didn't tell her immediately, probably because she was ashamed, 
and sure. embarrassed. Yeah. Uh, confused. I mean, she was 14. Um, but then, you know, you get to a certain point and feel comfortable sharing it. And she did. Well, the other women said that at the time they felt like, oh, I'm big time. I'm I feel a grown up now. And they felt that way then. But then as they got older, they realized Ee, that's that was fucking creepy. That's not normal. Yeah. I think those girls were like 17. Yeah. Well, there was one who was like 17 years old when he was like in his mid 30s. Mm-hmm. And Breitbart wrote an article about, well, yeah, but they said he was romantic. They said he would play guitar for them and write, read poetry. Oh, so he was a romantic pedophile. And that it never went past kissing. Oh, he, oh, he just made out with the kids. Oh, no big deal. Let's elect him to the United States Senate. Yeah, people are acting like it's not a big deal. Listen, it wasn't really a big deal when I was 16 and my boyfriend was 19. Um, That's not really a big deal. Um, Being 14 and mid-30s or being 17 and mid-30s, it's a little bit of a problem. I mean, he was a prosecuting attorney. That's right. Assistant district attorney. He was like going to the school to give talks on being a lawyer and hitting up on uh, on girls. Yeah, he's coming yeah. for career day, and and hitting on students. And in the he class. thinks it's a fucking meat market. Yeah, it's it's very odd to hear people defending yeah. this. Disgusting. Um, or or just even having the reluctance to say that it's negative, but also they're defending it while Roy Moore is denying it. Yeah. So people are defending the behavior that supposedly didn't happen. <laughs> That is an awesome point. Uh, I didn't think of that. Um, the, the the other thing here is that this is just the beginning. Again, it's like a Harvey Weinstein situation. You don't try on pedophilia. You don't like, eh, let me see what it's like to, to sneak around and get naked with a 14-year-old girl. And then like, yeah, it wasn't for me. I'm not going to do that anymore. There are more stories to come out this isn't the only thing that's going to come out because like i said if if he did it this is in him and he's done it again and again and again so we will move away from that and move on to more russia information carter page admitted foreign policy advisor to Donald Trump when he sat down with the editorial uh, board of the Washington Post, he named both George Papadopoulos and Carter Page as foreign policy advisors. And now, Carter Page has testified before the Senate Intelligence Committee and said that he told Cora Lewandowski in an email that he was going to go to Russia, and Corey Lewandowski said yes. Well, up to this point, Corey Lewandowski has said, nope, I don't even know who he is. I, I've never talked to him. I don't know anything about that. No, no, no. But that's not the case, and this is the first time in many months that we've played anything from Fox News, and here we go with Martha McCallum talking to Corey Lewandowski as we're getting a closer look at the former Trump campaign aide Carter Page's testimony as well before the House Intel Committee. And Page claims that Corey Lewandowski knew about a trip that he was taking to Russia. Here's his testimony with Congressman Trey Gowdy. I'm quoting here from the transcript. Gowdy, 
If you were going to Moscow in July of 2016, who did you tell? Why did you tell them? And what did you tell them? Paige, I had mentioned to them, it was Cora Lewandowski and I believe Hope Hicks and JD, that, that I had received this invitation, you know, and I just wanted to let you know. Gowdy. And how did they respond? Paige. So Corey said, if you'd like to go on your own, not affiliated with the campaign, you know, that's fine. But when Judge Janine asked Lewandowski about Carter Page back in March, he said this. I've never met Carter Page. The, to the best of my knowledge, the President of the United States has never met Carter Page. Carter Page <laughs> is a person who's going out telling everybody that he was part of the campaign. He had no formal role in the campaign. So now here's Corey Lewandowski, former campaign manager for Donald Trump. Corey, welcome. Good to have you on the story tonight. Thanks for being here. Um, how do you I reconcile like those two things? Oh, look, it's, it's, there is no reconciliation necessary because it's exactly the same thing that I told Judge Jeanine, which is what I'm telling you, to the best of my recollection, I don't know Carter Page. To the best of my knowledge, Carter Page never had a DonaldTrump.com email address, had no formal role in the campaign that I'm aware of, was never compensated by the campaign. And so when a low-level volunteer decides that they want to take a trip overseas and doesn't report to me or work for the organization, what jurisdiction would I potentially have of telling him or her they can or could not travel overseas? All I was clear about was, if you are going to travel, please do not pretend to be part of the right. campaign and say so that you, you are part of the campaign because you are not. That's so, all I so tried Corey, to you do remember. You say you say. never met him, but you do remember that exchange. You do remember him sending an email that said, I'm going to take this trip. And you said, fine, just not as, as part of the campaign. Is that right? You remember that? Well, no, you have to remember, in the context of the campaign world, now, my memory has been refreshed, but to be clear, from what I understand and what I recall, that email was sent on June 19th of 2016, so about 18 months ago. It also happened to be Father's Day on a Sunday, and it also happened to be the day prior to me being terminated from the campaign. So with all due respect, there were many other things on my mind that day, other than trying to understand why a volunteer was telling me he may or may not be traveling outside the country. All right. But in retrospect, you say you do you do remember you recall that get, getting that from him. Well, what I, what I recall is now seeing that email has been brought back right. to my attention. Got it. I didn't recall it at the time. All right. Let's let's do this. First of all, let's dispense with this fucking volunteer bullshit that you're hearing everyone say. I have worked on multiple political campaigns, senatorial and congressional campaigns. I've never worked on a presidential campaign. But I can tell you, in statewide races, m half or maybe more of the people who work on the campaign are unpaid. Technically, they're volunteers. I have been both paid staff on a campaign and volunteer. Both In both cases, I still worked for the campaign. I was still associated with the campaign. So for them to say that this guy's a low-level volunteer, all that is doing is creating a fucking smokescreen or attempting to. He wasn't a low-level anything if Donald Trump sat with the editorial review board of the Washington Post and said his fucking name, volunteered his name. Because you know who Donald Trump didn't mention? All of the low-level volunteers. That's the first thing. The second thing is, all you have to say is, if you're not worried about anything, is, yeah, I, I, no, I don't remember that. Why, I just, why would I give him permission or not give him permission? Boom, period. That's all you have to say. 
There's two comments that give me pause and enforce me, not force me. There are two comments that reinforce the fact of what I already believed, which is that he's a fucking liar. It's this. Now, my memory has been refreshed. Oh, how convenient. His memory has been refreshed, Brittany Page. He didn't rem remember before, but it just so happens that when Carter Page testifies under oath to the Senate Intelligence Committee, all of a sudden... Now, my memory has been refreshed. Why are these people going on TV? It is unbelievable. I think it's an arrogance. Well, it's time to stop. Yeah. Well, I mean... <laughs> no, keep it up. <laughs> yeah, keep it up. But it, for your best interest, you should probably stop. Here's the other thing that, that fucking... Come on, Corey Lewandowski. Even you, you fucking monkey. Even you are smarter than this. That email was sent on June 19th of 2016, so about 18 months ago. It also happened to be Father's Day on a Sunday, and it also happened to be the day prior to me being terminated from the campaign. So with all due respect, there were many other things on my mind that day. Ah, it was a Sunday, and fa father I had Father's Day on my mind, because, you know, I'm very into Father's Day. Oh, and then Mercury was in retrograde, and then... Ah, Shut the fuck up. Come on. All these things. Oh, I got fired the next day. How could I remember anything? It's too much protesting. He was really worried about his life. Were they going to give me a tie for Father's Day? Or was I going to get like a set of jumper cables for the car? <laughs> Come on. Who believes this shit? Or is it just because he's on Fox News and he's he's on in, in friendly territory then he believes he can just fucking run off at the mouth and no one's going to be listening like us. I think that's part of it, which is a bummer because Martha McCallum, I've seen her do better. Yeah. So it's unfortunate. Yeah. All right. Well, the next set of news that came out today is about the PP tapes, Brittany Page, about the dossier. Schiller, Donald Trump's ex-security chief, you know, the bald guy or the the big, tall, white-haired guy who threw uh, Jorge Ramos from Univision when he threw him out of that press conference. That was him. He has been with him for decades. He testified, and some interesting information came out of it. We have more breaking news now, breaking news Thursday. This is about uh, President Trump's personal bodyguard and confidant, Keith Schiller, and his testimony to Congress this week. So... Here's what we're learning, that sources tell CNN that back in 2013, uh, after a business-related meeting uh, to the Miss Universe pageant, a Russian participant in this meeting, this is all happening in Russia, uh, offered to, quote, send five women to then-private citizen Donald Trump's hotel room in Moscow. Uh, and it was rejected. That was That's a key piece of this. So let's go to, to Manu Raju, CNN senior congressional correspondent, who's working this uh, Keith Schiller breaking news. And so, all right, so these women were offered, according to Keith Schiller, and he rejected them. And apparently, what, then Trump thought it was a joke? Essentially, uh, the, what Keith Schiller said to the House Intelligence Committee in testimony this week was that this offer was made by a Russian uh, around a lunchtime meeting. And Schiller initially, he testified that he took it as a joke, that there was to send five women to then private citizen Trump's 
hotel room uh, that evening. Now, uh, the day carried on, uh, and I'm told by sources that, uh, Sh that Schiller testified that he uh, went to uh, then uh, Canada, uh, private citizen Trump's hotel room and said to uh, Mr. Trump uh, that this offer had been made. And at that point, uh, Mr. Trump laughed it off. Uh, and Schiller told the committee that he waited outside of Trump's hotel room uh, for several minutes, which is his protocol as a bodyguard, and then walked away and he couldn't account for what happened the rest of the night. Now, the reason why this came up, Brooke, was because uh, the so-called Trump-Russia dossier that was compiled uh, by that British agent uh, Christopher Steele, that included a number of salacious allegations about President Trump's activities uh, back in 2013 when he traveled to Moscow for the Miss Universe pageant uh, that he was uh, involved with. And those, some of those salacious allegations have not been verified, even though other allegations within that Trump-Russia dossier have been corroborated by the intelligence community. Now, he was asked about uh, this dossier in the private testimony, Keith Schiller was, and he was asked also, we were told, about a Daily Caller report from January that cited the dossier and suggested that Schiller rejected this offer. Now, he essentially said that he did reject this offer, but in that uh, Daily Caller report, it said that the person who made the offer was Emin Agalarov, who is a uh, Russian pop star and a son of a Russian oligarch who is actually close to Vladimir Putin and who actually worked with uh, Trump to bring the Miss Universe pageant, pageant to Moscow. Now, we are told that Schiller actually said that Agalarov did not offer these women to be sent to then uh, private citizen Trump's hotel room in 2013 uh, and that Agalarov uh, and, but the person, the Russian who did make that offer was in the group with the Agalarovs. Now, uh, Schiller testified that he could not recall the identity of this person who did make this offer, uh, but this offer was made. Schiller took it as a joke, but it, it fills in one piece of this uh, puzzle that people are looking at as they try to understand what's real and what's not real in this dossier that's gotten so much attention, Brooke. Mm -hmm. Just a joke, Brittany Page. Mm -hmm. It was a joke. Good times. What this tells me is Michael Steele, who authored this dossier that Carter Page constantly calls the dodgy dossier, the one that included the salacious details about Donald Trump getting these hookers to piss all over the bed in the presidential suite in which Barack Obama and Michelle slept. Ooh, la, la. Yeah, it's sexy time. Lots of pee-pee. Well, it lets you know that uh, maybe he's on to something here. <laughs> and every other thing we've talked about that they've denied, they denied until they couldn't deny it anymore. And then they pivot to another excuse. Well, here we are, one step closer. I'm not saying it's true, but goddamn. If we aren't one step closer to finding out that it is true, you know, I mean, come on. Before, a year ago, I would have said, eh, come on, man, that's that's way too outlandish. I, I still think one day we will wake up and it will just be playing on CNN <laughs> no, I, and I, MSNBC. Well, I don't know it's playing on TV. Well, but it's going to be blurred out. In it'll certain. be on porn, porn tube or Pornhub for sure. There's going to be things that are blurred. A lot of things. It's going to be difficult to understand what we're seeing, but we're going to know. Hopefully they put it in black and white or maybe it'll be in black and white so you don't know what's what. 
You know what I mean? I think you'll still be able to uh, tell. Gross. I just imagine it being a disaster. Uh, yeah. Oh my god. I mean, Seriously. we all we are we all like have our own image of what it's going to be, right? Or is that just me? Yeah. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> the other thing that I found very funny was that Schiller's like, oh, well, well I, I waited outside his room for like two minutes and then I left because I, I don't know what happened after that. That's kind of telling. He's he's taking himself out of the situation. <laughs> well, look, anything could have happened after I left. Is, who knows? Is that how he said it? Oh, yeah. I have audio. Yeah. Yep, he's yeah. who knows, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, he said it's typical for him to stand outside of the door for a while, make sure everything's good, and then take off. So he acted as though that's a part of his normal duty. It's just after he goes in the room, he kind of waits a while, makes sure that no one is... I agree that. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree that. Okay. (laughs) But what I'm saying is he's making a point to testify to it that, but after I leave... Who knows? Maybe it was hooker pandemonium. Okay. Yeah. He said after. Hooker PP pandemonium, everybody. He said, I don't know what happened after I left. That is exactly right. So who knows how many. Who knows? Russian ladies came to the door. Well, maybe the big story is that it wasn't five Russian hookers pissing on the bed. Maybe it was only like two. Because Donald Trump's not a big spender. We know that. He doesn't like to pay his bills. Well, I think they were offered. Oh, it was like a like a charity. Yeah, I he think, loves charity. Yeah, I think that um, <laughs> they were offered by Russia mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as a gift. Very nice of Vladimir Putin. I mean, that's. I, I don't know if you want to say that. All right, let's don't get have a, enough information. Let's to say that. get off the piss train, and let's move on to the election. We saved this email from Rania because it kind of it was a beautiful outlining of what went on on Tuesday night. In the wake of the Democratic practically a sweep. Dear Jesse and Brittany, this year's election day was truly a success for Democrats. Some highlights from this year's election. The newly elected governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, is a Democrat, and Chris Christie is finally gone. A huge victory for transgender folks, with Andrea Jenkins being elected as Minneapolis City Council, Lisa Middleton for Palm Springs City Council, and Danica Rome. That's am, right, am Rome. I saying that? Yep. Uh, for Virginia House of Delegates, and Tyler Titus for Erie Penn School Board. Seattle elected Jenny Durkin as their first lesbian mayor and their first female mayor since the 1920s. Hoboken, New Jersey, elected Ravi, I'm the worst, Bahala. That's the Sikh guy. As mayor, being the first Sikh American to be elected as mayor in America. My county, Delaware County, has voted strongly Republican since forever. This election, the Republicans were outpolled by the Democrats for the first time. The Democrats have made so many firsts this election. It would take me forever to list them all. I know it was a smaller, more local election, but it makes me optimistic for the Democrats in the 2018 election and eventually getting Trump out of office in 2020. This election also made me remember what it's like to read the news and not feel depressed. So I guess that's a plus. Yeah. Love the show. Rania, thank you very much for the recap. Saved me me a lot of work. I didn't have to really look for clips and all that, so that's great. We appreciate it very much. Um, and it was a good night. It was definitely a good night. 
And a lot, of, I, I did a video about uh, it be a, re a referendum on the Trump agenda. And I got a lot of pushback. Uh, of course, I got pushback on fucking YouTube, but I got pushback about it. But here's JTAP doing what JTAP does goddamn best, breaking it down about whether or not the numbers reflect a Trump referendum. He was elected president one year ago tonight, but was President Trump also on the ballot again last night? We wanted to take a moment to step back and take a look at the governor's race in battleground Virginia and how the Democrat Ralph Northam beat Republican Ed Gillespie in one of the first indications of how voters might be reacting to Mr. Trump's presidency so far. Now, Gillespie, the Republican, he chose a strategy of trying to thread a needle. He distanced himself personally from President Trump, with whom he never personally appeared. But he accepted the president's support on Twitter and in 11th hour robocalls, and he campaigned with Vice President Pence, and he pursued a TV ad campaign that embraced many of the president's positions on issues such as immigration and Confederate statues in an apparent attempt to win over the Trump base and get them to the voting booths, running ads like this one. MS-13 is a menace, yet Ralph Northam voted in favor of sanctuary cities that let dangerous illegal immigrants back on the street, increasing the threat of MS-13. I want to keep our statues up. Our history is our history, and we need to teach it, not erase it. Now, before Election Day, before yesterday, Trump strategist Steve Bannon said, quote, I think the big lesson for Tuesday is that, in Gillespie's case, Trumpism without Trump can show the way forward, if that's the case Democrats better be very, very worried. It was Gillespie's embrace of President Trump's agenda and his talking points that made the race close, Bannon said. Of course, the race did not really actually end up being close, as most polling suggested it would be. Gillespie lost by almost nine percentage points. Now, when Gillespie ran for Senate in 2014, he only lost by 0.8 percent. President Trump quickly took to Twitter last night to disown Gillespie entirely, saying, quote, Ed Gillespie worked hard but did not embrace me or what I stand for, but many conservatives interpreted last night's election as a referendum on President Trump. Take a listen to Republican Congressman Scott Taylor of Virginia on CNN this morning. I think that last night was a, was a referendum. Uh, I don't think there's any way that you can look at it in a different way, to be honest with you, and be intellectually consistent. So we took a look at the numbers, and here's the thing. Gillespie actually did get his voters to the polls in those deep red parts of Virginia. He did better than the 2013 Republican candidate for governor, Ken Cuccinelli. He did better numerically than he did in 2014 when he almost won. In fact, Ed Gillespie got more votes than any Republican candidate for governor in the history of the Commonwealth of Virginia, ever. But ultimately, Democrat Ralph Northam shellacked him with the largest margin of victory for a Democrat in Virginia since 1985. And that was partly due to huge turnout in the suburbs for the Democrat. In Loudoun County, a suburban county right outside Washington, D.C., in 2014, Gillespie almost tied his Democratic opponent in that, in that county. But this time, the Democrat took 60 percent of the vote, better than Hillary Clinton's share of the vote in 2016, and she won Virginia, better than the Democratic governor in 2013. Now, granted, it, it was a tough crowd for Gillespie this state. One-third of the voters who showed up were at least partly motivated by voting against Donald Trump. But in addition to that, it seems as though what Gillespie did to rally his supporters successfully apparently also so turned off the suburban voters who had once been willing to listen to him, his fate was sealed. All of that means to me that it was a referendum against Donald Trump. If you were listening closely, you heard him say that Gillespie earned more votes 
for governor as a GOP, as a Republican, than any other person in the history of the Commonwealth of Virginia, the state of Virginia. That's big time. That should have won him the race. But it didn't because people turned out in opposition to Trump and his agenda so that Northam won by a greater margin of victory than anybody over a, over a Republican since 1985. That's a big deal. People are fucking fed up. And I hope we keep this up. We keep up this momentum. We keep up this vigilance. We stay engaged through to 2018 to send these motherfuckers packing. All right. It's the asshole of today. Gay Talese. Gay Talese. I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly. I think so. Uh, like most of the time. Journalist. But Old he, man journalist. Yeah, he's a writer. And he reacted to the Kevin Spacey news. I think he was asked if he could interview anyone. Who would he interview? And he said Kevin Spacey. And the person interviewing him was like, oh, is, is if, this guy like wanting to get more deets or what's going on? If you could interview anyone and it's Kevin Spacey? I don't know if that's exactly oh, the question. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm not doing great on this episode with facts. So... <laughs> Uh, I've had a lot going on. Give me a break. So hashtag stressed out late. Yes. Um, so he said, I would like to ask Spacey how it feels to lose a lifetime of success and hard work all because of 10 minutes of indiscretion 10 years or more ago. Wow. So, okay. It happened 10 years ago. Jesus suck it up once in a while. That's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. That is prick shit. So this is disturbing. Oh, so you, you, you <laughs> laid on a 14-year-old boy. That was 10 years ago. Big deal. Yeah. I. This is just so confusing to me. And this article does give him the wiggle room of saying, we don't know for sure if he knew the extent of the allegations when he said this. Then he should keep his fucking mouth shut. But the thing is, I don't understand this impulse of it happened 10 years ago. Get over it. People carry pain with them and they've had traumatic experiences and you don't get to determine when someone gets over it. In fact, people largely don't get over their trauma. They're going to carry it with them and it will affect them in different ways. Sometimes, you know, they can go on and it hardly comes up at all, but sometimes there's the occasional thought, right? Well, that's why I I hate the term closure so much because of that. Yeah. People expect closure. It's something you're probably going to live with for the rest of your life. For sure. And <laughs> he's he feels for Kevin Spacey right. in his career. Right. All that you've built, Kev. Oh, Kevin. Again, he's going to be okay. I don't understand what yeah. these people are concerned about. He's not going to be living in the street starving. And maybe I have like a weird attitude. I don't know. His career is ending. Well, he had a good career, right? Yeah. Um, All kinds of molesting opportunities. So I just, I don't understand this impulse to jump and defend 
people who have just piles of allegations. The same thing still happens. Well, I don't know if people still do it with Bill Cosby, for, but for a long time, um, even after the, the count was over 40 women, people were still defending Bill Cosby. So I don't know what it takes to get these people to stop defending the victimizer in these situations. But I'm hoping that as we shine light on people like Gay Talese, that uh, people will feel <laughs> a little less inclined to speak in this way. Well, he's just, let, let, give the guy a little, you know, leg room, Brittany. He's just, he's sad for Kevin Spacey, who I just looked up and is worth $100 million. He's a sad sack. What a bummer for him. That all of his sexual indiscretions are now coming to light. His alleged sexual improprieties, including children. Fuck that guy. Asshole of today. All right. Again, everybody, we won't be back ne until next week, Tuesday evening, maybe Tuesday, or, uh, Tuesday morning, maybe Tuesday evening. So you'll get your episode possibly on Wednesday. We love you guys. Submit what you're thankful for for the Thanksgiving episode. If you have to call in, call in 657-464-7609. But we would prefer that you email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Think about it. What are you thankful for this year? Despite all that's gone on, there are still things that you can earnestly give thanks for. We love you. We appreciate you. We'll see you when we get back. Until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. You know what? Let's just cut that call out <laughs> in post. <laughs> Edit that right out. <laughs>